0: Hey, what's going on, guys? What's going on? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to the Black Financial Channel. And today we're going to talk about an NFL player, uh, former NFL star Greg Hardy, who apparently, at least according to what people are saying online, he's now a, uh, a greeter or sales package seller at Walmart. He's now Doing the Walmart thing, and uh, and I was really curious about this, so I'm gonna try to break some of this down for you. So get comfortable, buckle up a seatbelt. We're gonna get started on the Black Financial Channel right now. Welcome to the Black Financial Channel. That's theblackfinancialchannel.com. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. I am your friendly neighborhood finance professor. On the Black Financial Channel, we talk about black wealth and black economics every day, sometimes as much as 10 times a day under the B1 condition. B1 means we're black first. Black first means we put our community at the top of our priority list. Black first means we teach our kids about wealth, Black first also means we break generational curses and we don't really seek out mediocrity. So if you agree with that philosophy, if that's okay with you, if black excellence is cool, uh, if if black excellence is cool with you, then put a B1 in the chat. Now, this does not mean that we look down on people that have regular jobs. You saw me and my wife this week. My wife is a therapist and we had uh, a long conversation about. Ayanna Van Zant's uh, discussion with Ebony K. Williams and the whole issue of uh, dating a bus driver, right? So that's a nuanced conversation, an important conversation. But Uh, It's something that uh, requires us to kind of know the difference in terms of how we aim for the stars without disrespecting those who weren't quite able to get there or were affected by systematic factors. All right, so let's get started here. All right, so I want to say hello to Samantha White, the Dr. Vibe Show. What's going on, brother? Uh, Put the name of your city in here if you want to. Uh, I'd I'd like to see what city you're coming from. DeBretta, Grant, and EW757. All right, so let's talk about our topic for today. Uh, The discussion for today centers around a guy – that uh, they listed him as a Dallas Cowboys star. I don't know if he was so much of a star because I don't think his career lasted very long. But uh, there's the brother uh, right there on the screen. And uh, his name's Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy, uh, with the war paint on his face. If you're on Instagram, you won't see it. But if you want to see it, just go uh, go uh, click the link in my bio. You can see his image. But if not, just imagine a black, a, a real a sharp black dude with the war paint on his face. And uh, he was a Dallas Cowboys. Um, I believe he played defensive end. And uh, the reports out now are that Greg Hardy uh, is working at Walmart. And uh, he's not an old guy. Uh, I didn't look up his bio yet. I'm going to actually look that up. I, I imagine he's still in his 20s. I want to say he's about 28 years old and uh, he's still, you know, I'm sure trying to uh, pull his life together as an athlete uh, and achieve certain goals. Uh, but then again, though, you know, working at Walmart doesn't mean that you might as well be dead. There are millions, there are thousands of people anyway that work at Walmart who are good people who are normal people, who are hardworking people. So working at Walmart does not automatically make you a failure. However, I'd like to ask you a question. Give me a yes or no. Give me a yes or no if you were a little bit surprised by this title. Give me um, a yes or no if you were surprised to find out that a Dallas Cowboy uh, is, you know, on any level, a former Dallas Cowboy, whether he was a star or not, Um, is is now gainfully employed with Walmart. I think he's selling those spectrum packages, he's selling cable or something at at the Walmart. Give me a yes or no if that surprised you. Let's just be honest here. Let's we got to be honest in the sense that look, nobody's looking down on somebody who's working hard and making an honest living. I want to make that 100% clear. We don't look down on bus drivers, we don't look down on people that. Uh, get up and go to work every day. I mean, Lord Jesus, that would be ridiculous because that's what most people do. Most people are not ballers. Most people don't make six figures. Most people are not uh, you know, the, living the real life that they claim to live on Instagram. A lot of y'all young people that got this impression that you got to make six figures by the time you're 28—that's BS, man. That's some nonsense that was created by social media. I never grew up in a world. Give me a yes if you understand what I'm talking about. Everybody that's over 40, put a yes in the chat if you're over 40. Anybody over 40. I bet you, you did not grow up um, expecting to make six fi- six figures before you're 30. How many of y'all grew up like thinking like, oh, I know this is the way it's supposed to be. And if I ain't making six figures by 29 years old, then I'm a loser. None of us, I didn't grow up that way. I grew, you know, I grew up like, yo, you got to bust your ass till you're about 35. And then if you're lucky, you might be making six figures, but there's a- still a good chance that you won't. That doesn't mean the world shames you. That does not mean that you're a loser. That does not mean you're a bum. That doesn't mean you might as well be dead. That just means that you have a regular life. You can still build a nice life with a $60,000 a year income. Find you a nice woman, you know, that's got this guy her little 50, 60 that she's bringing to the table. You, you save, you invest, you get smart with your money, uh, go buy you some real estate, maybe start you a little business, get you a little side income coming in. You could be doing really well. I know lots of people who never made six figures who are millionaires right now. Millionaires right now. I, I have a saying of millionaires right now. Stop believing that income is everything and that you're supposed to have it all when you're young. That's nonsense. And it's important that young people get this because this, this, this stuff is making you depressed. This shit is depressing to get on Instagram at 23 years old thinking you're supposed to be driving a Lamborghini. Come on, man. That's nonsense. That's why you got people. So every study out here shows you that social media has people like killing themselves on, on the psychiatric medication, depressed. Why? Well, because you're looking at what everybody else got. And that instinct, the scientists have studied this. This is what causes people to overspend or spend money they don't have. Your instinct is to compete with other people. You see what they got going on. He's thinking, man, I'm 26 too. And I don't have a car like that. Man, first of all, you don't know how the hell that dude got that car. You know how many scammers there are. We're on, we're on in, on, on uh, Instagram, showing off all this money, trying to act like the rappers out here just you know balling. Look look what I got, yo! Look at all this bread. Look at all this bread. You know I'm gonna put my money on a on a on a plate and pretend like it's like it's lettuce because I'm eating I'm eating dog. And if you ain't eating like me, then you a loser. And you and you don't even know this guy. Number one, the money. A lot of times the money's fake. Y'all, y'all don't know this. There are in, there are companies that will allow you to do fake Instagram posts where they will take you to a set that looks like a private jet. And you get to sit there like you sitting on your phone without a care in the world, living your best life on your private jet, planning a business meeting that don't exist. Seriously, there's there's studios like that. Um, A lot of times there are people that use fake money Takashi 6 9 that rapper who snitched on everybody. One thing I like about Takashi, he's really interesting to watch. I've been following that dude for years because I think he's like crazy as hell. But Takashi uh, was talking about using fake money and just throwing fake money in the air, whatever. Um, uh, what else uh, is out there that's ridiculous? Oh, and some of these people are doing things that are illegal. And that's why you see later on, you'll see these guys coming up on RICO charges uh, getting charged by the feds with financial crimes because they're doing anything they can to try to impress other people. And that's just not the way to live. So here's my little piece of advice. We're going to get back to Greg Hardy in a second uh, because it's, I don't want to, I don't want to disparage the brother. I'm not here to talk and make fun of somebody because they work for the Cowboys, but I'm going to break it down for you. OG style. I'm going to break it down for you in terms of letting you know how this happened, how I believe this happens to, to a lot of players. Um, But, but anyway, the, the advice I would give you is, If you see stuff on social media that bothers you, I need you to be in touch with your feelings. If you catch yourself feeling jealous, if you catch yourself feeling pissed off because somebody feels is doing better than you, if you see yourself feeling down, you know what you should do? They got this little button on Instagram called unfollow. It's the unfollow button, or maybe on Facebook, you can mute people. And I encourage you, if anybody brings that negative energy, that toxic energy out in you, unfollow that person. Don't pay attention. Follow yourself. The person I want you to follow on social media is you. I want you to be your number one follower on social media because I'm telling you, this stuff will will drive you crazy. You got to be in touch with your emotions to deal with a world that has so many stimuli on digital stimuli that are designed to make you crazy. They're designed to make you lose your mind. They're designed to make you uh, to to manipulate the chemicals in your brain to get you addicted and all this other. You know what I do? I'm going to tell you, you know what I do with my social media? Nothing. I, I turn off everything. I don't get me wrong. I use social media. Y'all see me on social. How many of y'all seen, how many of y'all, have, have you ever like looked in, in on social media and said, damn, how does Dr. Boyce put out so many videos? How does he, he's got so much content. He's putting out something every hour. Anybody anybody ever, get? come on, be honest. Let's I'm, I'm. I'm a weirdo. Even Umar Johnson, Umar Johnson said, he'd be making all them videos. Why'd he be making all them videos? What's wrong with him making all the videos? Well, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Yeah, he's right. He's He's 100% correct. I do. I probably make more than almost anybody else. I probably make 20,000 videos because I like to teach and I like to talk and I like to share and I like to connect. But here's the secret. I control my social media, but I do not let social media control me. Uh, I turn off every single notification on my phone. There is nothing on my phone that will buzz or beep or ding um, except for stuff that is going to help me become a better man. I will allow notifications from things like publications I read that keep me up on financial information so I can go get that paper for my wife uh, or things that will share information about health or or stories that I might want to talk about or whatever but I don't mm-mm. no 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 if you if you got if you talk shit about me on twitter I won't even notice it cuz I won't I probably won't see it cuz Twitter ain't gonna notify me for nothing. Uh Instagram, no, I don't get an Instagram. No, I love y'all on Instagram. My gram is the real boy Watkins. I love all 400 and something thousand of y'all. I promise. But believe me, I'm not going to let you get up in my soul today. You're not gonna penetrate my soul today. I'm I'm gonna stay focused. I'm focusing on my wife and my kids. I don't I don't, uh, I don't uh, get alerts for text messages. Why? Well, because people text you with bullshit. They text you with drama. They text you with distractions. They text you because they want to borrow money. I ain't got time for that. I will get to you when I get to you. you. You I'll let the text messages pile up, and then I'll say okay for 20 minutes. I'm gonna respond to everybody. Then I'm gonna get back to get back to living my best life. And my best life is the the operative word in my best life is my me. I. It, it's not narcissists, it's more so built around saying, that if you, you got to find your silo of happiness and peace, and you really have to protect that because this social media stuff, man, take it from a guy who knew what life was like. I don't know how many y'all remember what life was like before all this came along. I love it. I I think it's so awesome and fun that you can connect with the world because media used to be controlled by a small number of white people and black people couldn't get access to media. When I was a professor at Syracuse University and I saw social media come along and I did the math and I said, oh, there's only a couple degrees of separation amongst all intelligent black people. If I get started now, I can connect with millions of people and I don't have to ask for the white man's permission. That's what excited me about social media and made me dive in head first. But then when I started reading the studies about how they do things to try to They deliberately try to manipulate you. They deliberately try to get your response. They study you like a lab dog. So you got to cut that shit off, man. If it's driving you crazy, cut it off. Do social media detoxes, just like you detox from sugar, detox from alcohol, detox from drugs. You need to also detox from social media. But then when you're ready, when you're mentally together and you're ready to jump in there and do your thing, jump in there and do your thing. Tell people about your business, do whatever you're going to do. But do not let the social media pull you away from the stuff you're trying to do. If you're in the zone and you're trying to focus, you're trying to write that essay, you're trying to finish that content, you're trying to work on that business, shut it off. You hear me? Everybody type the word, shut off, shut it off, shut it off, shut it off, shut it off, because that stuff will drive you crazy. Now let's get back to Greg Harding, okay? So we're going to talk about this um, And I'm going to give you, again, this is a Dr. Boyce perspective. I mean, feel free to disagree with me. I I, I just pretty much told you I, I don't give a shit. It's, you know, like when people, Tasha K. Tasha Kay invited me on her podcast recently. And, and she, my wife was on Tasha K.'s podcast. And she said, a lot of people don't like your husband. And, and Alicia was honest. She's like, he doesn't care. He doesn't notice. Because <laughs> I don't. I don't watch the videos. I, I don't give a shit. It's like, whatever. Yeah, of course people don't like me. Sometimes I don't even like myself. I get it. You know, but guess what? I'm still gonna be showing up every day. I'm still gonna be me. I'm, and whether you like it or not, that's that's your problem. That's not mine. So, um, so so don't be surprised if I'm, if I'm on Tasha Kay's show. If she really wants me on there, I'd love to talk to her because I, I think that her sh- what she does is interesting. All right. So anyway, let me keep going here. Do do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Share. Subscribe. Also, speaking of Dallas, um, I grew up a Dallas Cowboys fan, and I am gonna be in Dallas on May 19th actually for a two day Blackwell training camp. My wife, Doctor Alicia is going to be there. She's the head of our black financial therapy department in the black business school. Tim Jackson, who is a real estate expert in Dallas is going to join us. So if you have an interest in connecting with black wealth builders, this is a great place to do it. Uh, It's not one of those $5,000 conferences that people talk about. Literally, I think the the basic entry fee, I think drops to below 200 bucks or something like that. And you can connect with other wealth builders. We're going to do a deep dive training. It's two days long. So if you want to come down to Dallas, feel free to do that. All right. So, and also don't forget this podcast is on Spotify. Just look up voice Watkins on spotify you'll find it all right so i'm gonna read a little bit of this to you so it says here that uh, on the miami herald it says ex-cowboys defensive end greg hardy was on instagram live on thursday talking about the struggles of working a regular job uh he hardy said he started working with a marketing company amid trying to own his start his own business and was surprised when he was assigned a job as a spectrum greeter selling packages at a walmart in garland Hardy did not enjoy the job and claimed he was going to quit and told fans to come to Walmart to buy from him before he left. Hardy spoke with a potential customer who seemed to be unaware that Hardy was live streaming their conversation. Hardy was a controversial figure when he played for the Cowboys during his 2015 season. Hardy had been convicted of domestic violence and, or domestic assault in 2014, but appealed having the case later dismissed when the accuser stopped working with authorities, according to an ESPN report. So uh, so if, apparently his time with the Cowboys was a little bit volatile. Um, it's a mixed bag. Um, you know, you can investigate on your own and decide whether you think he's a good guy or a bad guy. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know this man. But what I will say is this. Um, one thing that uh, that really harms the black community in terms of wealth and wealth building is that we have too many of our black boys that are going for what I call the NFL lottery ticket. Uh, rather than trying to become jerry jones they all want to work for jerry jones and uh and if you study the history of a jerry jones you'll understand that jerry jones became who he was partly by making investments. Now, don't get me wrong. He probably got an inheritance, which is what you're going to leave your children. But then he took that inheritance and he was able to actually make some investments in oil and gas, if I'm not mistaken. And then eventually he bought the Cowboys. Uh, A lot of the money came from the bank and it was about 150 million. Now the Cowboys are worth about $8.6 billion or something like that. So what I would say to you is that there's nothing wrong with wanting to to be a Dallas Cowboy. I wanted to play for the Cowboys really bad. If you went back and asked 10-year-old Boyce Watkins, if you could pick any job on earth, what job would you take? I would say I would like to be the, a running back for the Dallas Cowboys. Literally, not, not for the Philadelphia Eagles, not for the uh, San Francisco 49ers, but I would have said the Dallas Cowboys because I love the Cowboys that much. But at the same time, though, as I got older, I started learning the realities of playing in the NFL. I learned the realities of what happens when you get the so-called dream that you've been dreaming about. I learned what happened when the Jerry Joneses pick up the phone and call you, and they they're pretty much looking for more people to that they can buy and sell at the slave auction, aka the NFL Combine. So at these slave auctions, the problem with that though is that the black male is the greatest athlete on the planet. I don't care what nobody says. I think that it's a lot of it's because of what we've gone through. African Americans in particular, we we are just some of the baddest dudes on the earth. Why we we, we run faster, we jump higher. Uh, We go all around the world and we dominate. Why do we dominate? Well, because look at what you've gone through. Look at what you've overcome. Look at what you've accomplished. Look at how many other people, how many other communities on this planet can say they went through the middle passage where half of us died on the way over here, uh, survived the slave dungeons, right? I mean, have you ever been, if you ever go to Ghana, go to the slave dungeon, and I need you to imagine surviving in there more than 20 minutes. There were our ancestors survived that son of a bitch for three, four, five, six weeks, eight weeks, two months. I I don't know how they did it, but I know that that's I descend from that. So I descend from king and queen blood. I know that for a fact. Uh, And then on top of that, how many other communities can say that they survived 250 years of the most brutal slavery known to man? They survived uh, the the horrors of the plantation, all the rapes and assaults and everything that happened, the breeding farms and all the terrible things that they did to us back then. Then they survived Jim Crow. After that, you survived the war on drugs. After that, you survived mass incarceration, the crack epidemic. Look at all the things and you're surviving right now and whatever they're doing to you now, they're, they're, maybe they, the bastardization of hip-hop where they're promoting criminal behavior and drug addiction to young black men. Give me a yes if you understand what I'm talking about. Let me know if you get what I'm saying. You are special. You are very, very special. And and I'm convinced of that. I know it's not politically correct to talk about slavery. Uh, There was a guy named Jimmy the Greek who was a sports commentator who got fired years ago because he said exactly what I'm saying. I don't know if he said it for good or bad reasons, but he he was a white boy and he was a big time sports guy. And uh, on TV, anybody remember Jimmy the Greek? Jimmy the Greek got fired because they said, why do you think black athletes are so good? He said, because of slavery. (laughs) And the white people are like, oh, no, you mentioned slavery. We're we're trying to forget slavery. We don't want to talk about the the hundreds of years of atrocities that we did to black people. We want to act like it didn't happen and everything's okay." No, no. Y'all fucked us up real good. But guess what? Um, If you study the origin, if you ever watch a Marvel movie or um, if you watch uh, DC Comics and you see those superheroes, do you no, tell me if you notice this? Every time you have a superhero that has superpowers, go back and look at their origin story. Almost every single superhero has a horrible origin story. They survived something terrible in order to become something great. They had to go through hell to get to heaven. They had to go through the fire to become whatever they became. So that and that's true for life. If you talk to any Navy SEAL, talk to a Navy SEAL. that's are some of the most skilled, extraordinary. Soldiers on the planet. Navy SEALs are some badass dudes. Shout out to anybody who who even became close to becoming a Navy SEAL. Go ask them about what it was like going through Hell Week, and 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 how most people probably couldn't make it through Hell Week, where you stay awake for six or seven days straight and you run all these marathons and and you're getting shot at and all this other crazy stuff. Right. So so ultimately, if you don't go through the fire, then you you don't get you don't get to be great. Right. That's why I you know I think that we have to be really careful when we talk about that thin line between. Uh, making a child strong versus abusing a child. Anytime the child's uncomfortable, that's not abuse. I went through a lot of hell as a kid. I went through a lot of experiences that would be defined as abusive, uh, toxic, terrible experiences. But guess what? That's what made me strong. Even racism honestly made me strong. I'm not saying I'm happy about it. I'm not saying I appreciate it. I'm saying that if the white man had embraced me and treat and coddled me and treated me well, I probably wouldn't be what I am now. I'm not saying that I'm thankful for it. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that every curse that happens in your life, nine times out of 10, if you process it properly, you can shift that curse into a blessing. So the black male athlete, we've been cursed with all these things I talked about, the slave dungeons, the middle passage, slavery, Jim Crow, mass incarceration. We've been cursed by that. But where's the blessing? Well, the blessing shows up in the form of our athletes. I just watched Fred Curley go across uh, the sea and and if you haven't, if you, I follow track and field. Fred Curley uh, is just one of the baddest sprinters since Usain Bolt. And you can't create a Frank. There is no white version of a Frank Curley. I saw Shikari Richardson go out there. Shout out to Shikari. She's back now. She just ran down Sharika Jackson, the, the, the world champion in the 200 meters. She just ran her down over in Doha, right? I, I go and I watch basketball and I see LeBron James and, and, and Steph Curry and, and all these brothers just doing things that most white guys can't do. So, so the black athlete is special, very, very special. So because we're so special, Uh, We are heavily recruited into these sports, and I think that that's perfectly fine. Even our mediocre Black men are extraordinary compared to other groups. The problem with that, though, is that you have an oversupply where the demand does not match the supply. You have an oversupply of all these young Black boys who dedicated their entire life to sports all they think about is sports they went through school nobody even checked to make sure they could read I went to college with Antoine Walker who played for the um, Boston Celtics who blew all his money poor guy he, he he went broke and I remember back then in school that, that was the, the the rumor that was the kind of mumbling like you well you know I, I talked to a guy uh and again this was a Jewish kid that went to Harvard who's probably a millionaire now and he told me he said I'm on the committee that evaluates academic misconduct charges. And he said, I hate to say it, man, but I don't think this guy can read. I, we, 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 we tested him to make sure he did whatever. And he said the reason that he was still on the court was because he was such a cash cow for the university. This is a true story. This is what I really saw when I was a graduate student at the University of Kentucky. That's one of the things that drove me to start writing articles about the exploitation of Black male athletes, because I saw this happening at the University of Kentucky, which was making 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 million a year off of these Black athletes. And then they send these kids out into the world unprepared to be successful. And next thing you know, this guy ends up working at Walmart. Uh, You know, again, I don't know this guy's story. I don't know Hardy's story individually, but I know the general story. I know the story of Melvin Turpin, Melvin Turpin. Anybody remember Melvin Turpin? How many of you are old school enough in basketball to remember the name Melvin Turpin? Uh, you may not remember his name. You may not remember you. Most of y'all probably don't, but Melvin Turpin, Played for the University of Kentucky in the 1980s. He got drafted in the NBA. Uh, in the top five or top 10, he played with a guy named Sam Bowie. They, they were the baddest. Uh, they called him the Twin Towers. They're the baddest duo in, in college basketball. They didn't win a championship, but they went to the Final Four. Melvin Turpin went to the NBA. He couldn't control his weight. They, he, he kept getting fatter and fatter. He played for the Trailblazers. They called him Dinner Bell Mill because he was so big. Well, anyway, Turpin didn't last in the NBA. He ended up coming back home. And next thing you know, because he had no other marketable skill other than basketball, he ended up working as a security guard and i don't know if being a security guard was embarrassing for him i know i would be embarrassed to be honest with you when you leave town everybody's wishing you well they're thinking you're going to go off and be a millionaire for the rest of your life next thing you know you're at a you're a security guard that's pretty depressing well i don't know if this played a part in it or not but i do know that a, a little while later turpin killed himself he ended up committing suicide and uh, and that's very sad to me because uh, what i'm really feeling it, you know and i've seen this happen so many times is that sometimes if you get too caught up in one thing uh, it's almost like being in a bad relationship. If you get too caught up in one thing and that one thing doesn't want you anymore, then you can, it's easy to believe you have no value outside of that one thing. Uh, there was a great, uh, football player, uh, named, uh, I forgot his name. Gosh, uh, he played for Texas. He won a national championship, and then he went to play for the uh, for Tennessee Titans. Um, he was a quarterback. Vince Carter. It was Vince. Vince Young. Vince Young. Vince Young. I saw Vince Young after he won the national championship. He was on the cover of ESPN, the magazine or something like the one of those magazines. And I saw a quote that scared me. Uh, it was right at the peak of his career. The quote said, um, I was born to play quarterback at the University of Texas. And I and I said, God, that makes me sad because I'm sitting there thinking, you you really believe that God put you on this planet, like your sole purpose in life is to go play quarterback for those white folks who ain't even paying you what you deserve to be paid. Like that's the only purpose that you have in like this same school that would never hire you as a coach, they would never hire you as a professor, Uh, they would never hire you for anything other than being an athlete. This is your purpose. This is what it's almost like a KFC chicken saying, I was born to be served up and be somebody's dinner. Right. That's that's almost what like a chicken is not born to be somebody's dinner. You know, the the chicken maybe might want to have a higher purpose, but we're not KFC chickens, but that's kind of what happens. The black male athlete is the ultimate trillion dollar commodity, just like a KFC chicken, just like a, a diamond that you pull out of the mine, just like um, just like food that you grow on a farm. We are a commodity. We are bought and sold. So effectively, when you believe that your sole purpose on this earth, it's not to be a husband or father. It's not to be a leader in your community. It's not to elevate your people. Your sole purpose is to play for the Dallas Cowboys. Well then shit, you might as well call Jerry Jones daddy and God at the same damn time. Jerry Jones is now your, your father and your uh, your, he's your husband. He's your baby daddy. He owns you. He's your master. Seriously, if you believe, like seriously, if you get caught in this trap, to say, my purpose in life is to play for the Dallas Cowboys and to be owned by Jerry Jones, and then Jerry Jones don't want you, that's a terrible feeling to have. He controls your access to either having a life with purpose or having a life that has no purpose. Uh, I watched a movie last night. I took the kids to see a movie called John Wick 4. In John Wick 4, they they dropped a lot of little interesting little little gems up in there. And one thing that they said was, a man without purpose is not a man at all. And if you ever see men, anybody know, like anybody got like a drunk ass uncle or a cousin or whatever who maybe used to be an athlete. But now he's like he, he ain't got nothing to do now. Now he's sitting around, you know, chasing women, smoking weed all day, getting drunk all day, halfway high, half the time. Ain't really about really doing nothing because he doesn't play sports anymore. Anybody ever seen that? Just how sad it is to see a guy who used to be the man and all, and and you have a conversation, you try to talk about stuff happening now. And all they talk about is when they won the championship back in high school, or when they played for the, the Philadelphia Eagles or, or the time, the little time they had playing for the, you know, playing for the Dallas Mavericks, right? Anybody ever seen that? And it's a very sad, It's very sad. Like, you know, when when you're 45 and you're still talking about stuff you did in college, that's kind of sad because it says to me that you weren't able to turn the chapter and find another purpose that's bigger and more relevant than playing a damn sport. I'm not anti sports at all. I played all the damn sports. I was an athlete, man. Y'all don't believe it. I'm a little, I'm a little older i a little chubby, but shit. back in the day, I was captain of the track team. I wasn't just a member. I was the captain. I ran that shit. I was, um, I was a great football player. They begged me to play football. I, I didn't want to play because I didn't want to keep getting hit in the head, but I was faster than every single player on the entire football team. They ra- I raced their fastest sprinters and all the coaches were trying to recruit me because I had muscles and I outran their fastest sprinters. So they said, we got to get them on the football team. I didn't want to play. Because honestly, I had ADHD and I couldn't understand the plays. The plays were too complex for me. I know that sounds ridiculous, right? Then I'm a professor now, but I didn't know what I could do at that time. Um, I did all the basketball. Oh, yes. All, all day, every day, I could hit three-point shots with my eyes closed. I kid you not. Because remember, I'm a scholar, I'm a thinker, right? So I remember thinking, I'm not that tall. I, I can't, you know, I could jump a little, but but I'm not that tall. So how can I win? How can I win? I always wanted to win. I never liked losing. So you know what I did? I said, Oh, I get it. If I can learn how to shoot three-point shots with precision, then I can control the game. So you know what I would do? I would go to the gym. I kid you not. This is this carried out. This is exactly I, I approached basketball the same way I approached school. Um. I went to the gym every day and I would take three three point shots every single day. And it got to the point where I could literally hit 15, 23 pointers in a row. So I would go out on the court and I would hit a couple threes and they would start guarding me tight then I would scoop back another foot and then where they wouldn't guard me anymore and then I would shoot and hit a couple more then I would scoop else as far back as half court and I could hit almost from half court so 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 I love sports I think sports are fun I think sports teaches you a lot about work ethic and stuff like that um I think that that attitude that you get in sports in terms of commitment to winning and sacrifice you can carry that that will make you successful in school that will make you successful in business that will make you successful as a father that will make you successful as a husband that will make you successful as a human being. And what I really just kind of wish uh, we could really help young black men understand is that that energy that you have in sports could be taken to anything that you do. What and who the fuck told you that all you could do is play a damn sport? Who told you that bullshit? That's ridiculous. That's crazy. How are you going to be a superstar? You're going to be the man, you're the, you're the alpha, whatever they call it, you're, you're the man on the court but then when you step out of the life, you're not a man at all. You, you the, you're the On the court, you're the man, but when you step off the court, you're not the man at all. I don't understand that. I don't understand. So it's not even a matter of saying, let's change who these young men are. It's really a matter of saying, just be who you are all the time. Stop faking. Stop, stop standing tall in one space and then bowing like a punk in the other space. That is not how you succeed. Every single thing I ever did in my life, and I'm very happy with my life. I'm very proud of my. I don't look back at my life as a bunch of regrets. I was I was smart enough. I, they always say that a smart man learns from his mistakes. A wise man learns from the mistakes of others. I studied my relatives. I studied my drunk ass uncles. I studied my drug addict daddy, uh, The one, that, not the one that raised me, but the father that went to prison for drugs. I studied all their lives and said, OK, I don't want to do that. What was the mistake they made? Because I don't want to regret it after it's over with. So I, I made decent choices. I'm very proud of that. And I can tell you this. Everything I was ever able to succeed in in life came from what I learned in sports. Sports was a reflection and a connection to every great thing I ever did. When I was at University of Kentucky, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you the truth because I think this is helpful information for those of you that want to be successful. I was the number one black student on the entire campus. I was not even known. The shit that I do now, I wasn't known for that. At that time, I was known because I was the smart guy. But I wasn't really the smart guy. I just knew how to study. And I studied And my study ethic, my work ethic in school came from the work ethic I picked up in sports. So I just studied harder than those other students that they would, they would all try to, they would all try to cram and learn everything the day before the test. I never, I would say, how are you going to learn 30 days worth of stuff in eight hours? You can't do that. So I would study consistently. I studied five hours a day because I was like, if I can go to work for that white man at Taco Bell 10 hours a day, then I can invest in myself for five hours a day. That should be easy. But you notice, if you think about this, this is a symptom of the slave mentality. How many of you know a black person who uh, yo, know, will bust their ass at a job, show up on time every day, work as many hours as necessary, will work extra hours if they can. But then when it comes time to work on their own stuff, they get lazy, they get distracted. They, they oh, I don't want to get up. I would have worked on my business, but I got tired. I don't want to take a nap. Or oh, I would have worked on it, but I just—I you know—I just—I there was good stuff on TV, right? Get easily distracted. You, so I want you to pay attention to that. That's a slave mentality because they breed you to be a slave. So the slave mentality is when you're working, when you're willing to work ten times harder for that man than you are to work for yourself. You work ten times harder building wealth for his family than you work building wealth for your own family. You work a hundred times harder giving power to his community than you will give to your own community. That doesn't make any sense. It's supposed to be the other way around. <clears throat> you're supposed to be putting more energy into what you're doing than you are to put into what some other community is doing. Give me a yes if you understand what I'm saying. If you can at least hear what I'm saying here, right? So, uh, so, so, so let me let me move on. Before I, before I move on, uh, do me a favor please hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, thumbs up, Uh, share, subscribe. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. Um, I have some good stuff on my website. If you want to go take a look at BoyceWatkins.com, I have a new book out. It's called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. It's an Amazon bestseller. I hope you guys will feel free to go take a look. I'd appreciate it if you did. Uh, Also, I'll be in Dallas May 19th doing a two-day Black Wealth Training Camp. If you'd like to join us, uh, just go to BoyceWatkins.com. The information's right there. Also, this podcast is on Spotify just look up the doctor boys breakdown on Spotify. You can find it there. Okay. So, uh, so, so let's get back. Let's, let's finish, let's finish up here. Y'all know me sometimes if I, if, if something sparks a thought, I'm going to share that thought uh, with anybody that can benefit from it. Uh, but we were originally talking about, uh, this brother, Greg Hardy, uh, the, the Dallas cowboy who used to work at, or who now works at Walmart. And, uh, and again, I'm not here to make fun of, of, of Mr. Hardy at all. Um, again, I admire anybody that's doing something legal and healthy and working to improve their lives. Um, I think Hardy is now I think he's like a UFC fighter, too, or something. So he's he's in his 20s. He's trying to find himself. Apparently, he has a great athletic ability. He's trying to get the most out of that. And um, and what I will say is um, I'm beginning as I get older and think about it. I'm honestly thinking that the NFL dream is honestly kind of the sucker's dream. Um, I think that that's the the sucker's dream, the false dream that's sold to you through media. Um, and the reason I call it the sucker's dream is not because you're a sucker if you fall for it. I fell for it, too. But it's a sucker's dream because the average uh, career span of an NFL player is very short. Um, NFL does not stand for National Football League. NFL does not stand for National Football League. Uh, NFL should stand for not for long. Uh, it stands for not for long because the careers are so short. They're like two point three years. Also, does anybody know? Uh, the average. Uh, what is? Let's let's Google this real quick. What is the average lifespan um, of a of a male in America? What is the average lifespan of a male in America? Anybody know? Give me. Try to guess. The average lifespan of a male in America is seventy-seven point two years, seventy-seven point two eight to be exact. Does anybody know what the average lifespan of uh, an NFL player is? Mid to late 50s, mid to late 50s. So just from a health perspective and, and, and really depending on the position you take, how many hits you take to the head, that can be even shorter. Um, I think it's really important that we really start talking about this as a community. I really do. I I get it. I know we love sports. Um, I'm a football fan. I'm not gonna lie. I, I I'm I cheer for the Ohio State Buckeyes. I keep praying, you know, that one day the Dallas Cowboys gonna get it together. Cause I'm, you know, I'm I'm loyal. I'm gonna stay committed to the Cowboys, even though they haven't been good since the '90s. Uh, but but I would not on any planet send my son to go play in the NFL because there's something happening there in terms of that brain damage. Also, if you look at some of the criminal behavior that some of the men engage in after or during their playing time, you can't tell me that some of that is not connected to brain damage. Uh, If you look at Aaron Hernandez, anybody know Aaron Hernandez? Aaron Hernandez played for the uh, New England Patriots. And Aaron, he he isn't black. um, But Aaron Hernandez was a jovial guy, a great athlete, um, you know, he won a Super Bowl, and this dude was like, after the games, going to the club and killing people, like literally he'd get mad and just kill people. And, and when I, and when I saw that and I read up on the brain damage, the CTE, a black man discovered the CTE and they didn't like it. The NFL got pissed off at him because he was revealing what was going on in the brains of these athletes. One of the symptoms of this brain disease is the inability to control your impulses. Right. Think about this. Everybody, all of us, at some point, have been pissed off. I mean, give me a yes in the chat. Let's do an experiment. How many of you have ever been so mad that you, if you could kill somebody telepathically and not be caught, you you would do it? How many of y'all have been so pissed that maybe you even w- wish you could hire a hitman, and if as long as you couldn't be connected to the crime, <clears throat> that person wouldn't be breathing next week? Seriously, let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. I, I think killing, honestly, I don't think killing's good, but I think killing's natural. I mean, just ask the military. All they do is they train like killers. So shout out to everybody in the military, right? Because I know y'all killers, y'all better be because we need y'all. All All right. So, so seriously, okay. So all of us at some point have been mad enough where we wanted to kill somebody, punch somebody, knock that dude out or whatever. Well, what stops you from doing that? What keeps you from doing it? Well, you might be thinking, well, if I, I want to, I want to punch him, but if I do that, then I'm going to lose my job. Uh, you know, if I, cause a lot of y'all I'm sure want to punch you or choke your boss. I know I did. I would fantasize about that. That made me, that, that actually made me feel better. Um, you know, or you're thinking, I don't want to go to jail, right. Or whatever. Well, there's a part in your brain up here, the prefrontal cortex that stops you from doing that. Because remember, if you were like a, an animal, if you were a bear or a horse or a donkey, You would just attack. Animals don't think about those consequences. Animals get pissed and they just, right? Animals will just go do what they want to do right? They don't have any impulse control. You have impulse control because you have something in your brain called the prefrontal cortex, which is about 5% of the brain that separates you from an animal. That's why uh, when you get, when you find, when you connect with yourself, you're able to make smart strategic decisions. You're able to say, yeah, I really want to do that. I really want to get with that girl, but I don't really want those problems. So I'm going to like, I'm going to walk away from whatever she's offering me or whatever, right? Just little things like that. Well, one thing that, that happens with CTE is that a lot of these hits are like right here, so a lot of the players have that scar on their head from the from from the hits and also from the helmet, right? And uh, and and Aaron Hernandez uh, had tremendous amounts of CTE, and he was going around and he, when he get pissed off at the club at another guy, he would just kill him. I mean, football's already a violent sport anyway, right? Uh, and then you uh, Kellen Winslow Jr. That's another one. Anybody look up Kellen Winslow Jr.? He was he got arrested for <clears throat> committing the strangest crimes I've ever seen. He this dude was running around sexually assaulting like 75 year old ladies. Um, now don't get me wrong. There are kinky people. There are people in the world that have weird, uh, sexual desires, but it's not normal for a young, handsome, wealthy man to want to go and rape your grandma. Right. I'm not saying this is true for sure. Maybe he's just born like that, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if head injuries played some part in that. Um, his, you know, he, um, uh in fact, he had the same, he played the same position as Aaron Hernandez. They were both tight ends, both were extremely good. That's how I knew about these guys because of how talented they were. So I'm saying overall, when you measure the health risk of being an NFL player, when you look at the fact that the careers are not very long, when you look at the amount of sacrifice that's required, that could be which is energy that could be applied to other things like becoming a doctor, a lawyer, or a business owner, I don't I think it's a sucker's bet. I really do. I think that the, the odds are way too slim. Um, if a person took, and most football players that make it to that level, basketball players that make it to that level, if they took that same amount of energy and put that into their academics, give me a yes or no if you agree with this. I believe that if you take almost, if you take 95% of all NFL players and have them put as much energy into their academics as they put into training for that sport, watching film, Studying the playbooks, I bet you that they would all be straight A students. Give me a yes if you think that I'm accurate on that statement. I believe that it's harder because I've done both. I've been an athlete and I've been a great I've been a straight a student. It was harder to get up at six in the morning for for practice and and go through all the hell that you had to go through uh track practice, we would vomit at the end of track practice because it was so hard if that was harder. Than anything I ever did academically. And I've done the hard shit. I, now, my doctoral work, that was that was another level. That was hard. That was, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to kind of think about that. But college, oh, man, college was easy compared to how much hell I had to go through in track practice. So I'm just saying that if your goal is to win, this is, a, this is for Black men and women, too, really, anybody. Women, unfortunately, I think Black women are fortunate because they're not sucked into the sucker's dream. Black girls don't grow up saying, I'm going to play for the Dallas Cowboys, so I'm going to sacrifice everything to go, or go be an NBA star. Black, black women don't do that, right? So that, that's why you see the Black girls rising academically. That's why you see the Black girls rising in terms of business, because they're not distracted. See, a lot of success is based on how distracted you are. If you're focused on that one thing that that you believe is going to work for you, then you tend to be more successful at that one thing. And and what's really true is that even the athletes that don't make it to the NFL are very successful at becoming great athletes. If you ever look, I mean, sometimes you'll see the combine and you'll see a guy who didn't even get drafted, who's built like a rock who runs the 40 in 4.4 seconds, who has a 45-inch vertical leap, and you're like, damn, I'd sign him, right? But that's the problem. You're oversupplying the white man with too much of your damn talent. You're selling your sons to this sports league. You're selling your kids to the Jerry Joneses of the world, and 99% of them are are being sent back. They're being sent back and as defective. They're being rejected, but they're all making that ultimate sacrifice. So I just think that we have to diversify a little bit. I think that we can still be great athletes and still go to the NFL. We're, going, we're always going to dominate basketball, football, track and field. And again, there's something special about the black athlete. I don't apologize for that. But I really think that if your goal is to be a boss, if your goal is to be a millionaire, if your goal is to win in life, you are far better off. Going the business route, like take that energy, learn how to be just the best damn entrepreneur you could possibly be. Take that same winning attitude that that you use to study and break down the the nickel defense and 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 or the or different offensive schemes or different defensive packages. Take that same energy and put that into breaking down how to analyze business strategies and marketing plans and 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 sales projections or whatever. If, if that expertise is just transferred over. You will see black men dominating in business and in academics the same way we dominate in sports. All I am, all I was, I told you, I, I won the wall street journal Ac- outstanding um, w- w- a Wall Street Journal award for Outstanding graduating Senior in Finance when I finished college. I was the number one finance student on the entire campus, including the white people. I beat the white people too. All I was was an a, a former athlete who decided to transfer all that energy into academics. If you go back and you look at my grades in high school, you wouldn't believe what you see. My grades were terrible. My grades were bad. My grades were in the toilet. I'd never made an A in anything except except PE, except physical education, because I was a good athlete. All that happened in college was I took everything I learned from sports, and I started applying it to other areas of my life, why? Well, because I wasn't distracted by sports anymore because God blessed me. God, they say God blesses babies and fools. So I show as hell wasn't no baby. So I definitely must have been a fool because God protected me. God, what, The protection God gave me was God said, I'm not going to let you get distracted by giving you what you want. Sometimes you want something, you think you want something, like you think you want that woman, you think you want that man, and God will protect you by not making that person available so you can be prepared and open for the person you're supposed to be with, right? So the same thing happened there. I wanted to be a college athlete. I wanted to be on the track team. And God said, you ain't fast enough and I'm going to make sure you don't get this opportunity. Now what you going to do? And I said, well, I guess I might as well study because I got a daughter on the way and I need to figure out a way to take care of my child. That was my story. And then when I started realizing, hey, wait a minute, I can actually do more than just play a sport. I can actually be a, more successful in other areas than I was in sports. Uh, now I, there is no limitation. My physical ability was my limitation before. Now the sky's the limit. I, if the harder I work, the more rewards I get. Do you understand how happy I was at that point? Like, do you realize how that was like literally? I felt literally like I was getting out of jail, and I was—I I finally had a chance to have everything I wanted. So I just took a big bite out of life, I, and that and that energy never died. The energy that you hear me speaking with right now at the age of 51 is the same energy I had when I was 21. And I started realizing that maybe I had a purpose that was bigger than being a damn athlete on a white man's field. That was exciting for me. That was very exciting. So I really want you to expose your sons to that. Um, Be very mindful about making sure that they understand that it's okay to play the sport, but you got to have a bigger dream other than sports. Your job, your purpose in life is not to be Jerry Jones's bitch. And those Dallas Cowboy guys, no disrespect. I know a guy who uh, play. I know a guy whose son plays for the Cowboys, and I think that's great. And he, he walks around cocky and stuff because he because he plays for the Cowboys. I'm like, man, you Jerry Jones's bitch. Good for you. Congratulations. You getting a couple million dollars. You just a high paid bitch. That's what you are. Yeah, but Jerry Jones walks in there with his old racist ass. Remember Jerry Jones? Remember they called him in the racism, and a lot of y'all were complaining like like, well, why why is Jerry Jones not getting treated the same way Kyrie Irving? is? well because he owns the goddamn team. When you're the owner, you don't have to answer to other people. Jerry Jones ain't Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, if y'all think that that's the ceiling to, what, to the greatest a black man can be, then you need to understand how life works. You need to understand business. Kyrie Irving is like level three in a 10-story building. Jerry Jones is up there in the penthouse. You ain't got to answer to nobody when you in the penthouse. When you or people were comparing uh Jonathan Majors, they were like, Well, why why you well, how come people ain't got the same smoke for Dana White, the UFC owner or whatever he's a UFC president? Uh when he got caught with with doing something bad with a woman, why y'all got smoke for Jonathan Majors, but ain't got enough for Dana White? Why why did Jonathan Majors get fired? But Dana White didn't get fired. Well, because Dana White, if you do the research, he is a part owner in the goddamn team. And I don't mean to cuss. I'm sorry, I'm gonna stop cussing. I promise you, but Dana White. Is an, is an owner. The owners don't have to play by the rules. The owners make the rules, and you got to play by the rules because you never taught yourself how to be the owner. In my book, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power, the commandment number 10 is that ownership is the key to power. And so so all the, to all these so-called alpha males that run around the internet, I'm an alpha male, I'm an alpha male. Well, you know, I asked you a question. I'm not saying you're not an alpha, that you can't be an alpha, whatever that means to you. But if you say you're an alpha, what I'm gonna ask you is a quick question. I'm gonna say, okay, you're an alpha. What do you own? Uh, you're an alpha. Um, what do you? What are you responsible for? Are you responsible for a family ahead of a household? Are you responsible for your children? Are you responsible for a business? Are you are you running a company that's feeding people? Like, what are you protecting? What who are you serving? Who are you lifting? Who is be- whose life is better off because you're there, because you're present? Because if you're just serving yourself and you're just sitting around calling yourself an alpha, but all you're doing is sitting in your mama's basement, smoking weed and playing Xbox all day, you, know, sca- you know, swiping, swiping left for, for new women to, to go have sex with, that's not alpha behavior. There's nothing alpha about that. So again, if you claim to be an alpha, I ask you, what are you responsible for? You know, what, what, what do you look at? Like when my father met me, my bio, not my biological father, my real father, when my real father met me, you know what he said? And I, and I consider my father an alpha. Uh, my father looked at me and looked at my mother and he said, these two are my responsibility. That's alpha like behavior. He said, this is the, they're my responsibility. So when it came time to make sure bills were paid, he made sure bills were paid. When it came time to figure out a way to get money in the house, he went out and figured it out. When If you t- came in and tried to threaten the territory that was his, oh, he he would put a bullet in your head because he was that kind of a guy. He had gun- guns in the house. He was a police officer, all this stuff, a uh, military man, all this stuff. That that to me is alpha behavior. He was a police commander. Thousands, hundreds of men reported to my father and women reported to my father. That was an alpha, right? So, so ultimately, I think, generally speaking, um, we got to have conversations with the black men that want to be successful, that believe they're going to do these great things in sports and help them understand that this energy has to be transferred to everything you do. Uh, Michael Jordan, I think is a good template of that. Michael Jordan left basketball and now makes probably 10 times more money not playing basketball than he did playing basketball. And when he played basketball, he was the highest paid player in the NBA. Why? Well, because Michael Jordan figured out that there are several more floors to the building than the NBA player for. He was on level 3, he said, "Oh, I want to go to level 10. I'm going to go to the penthouse. I want to go to the Jerry Jones level." That's why Michael Jordan can't really be canceled. You can't fire Michael Jordan. So so black men need to understand that. And 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 and, and that's just my honest-to-god truth. And, and if it offends anybody, I would say I'm sorry, but I can't be sorry. I can only say that this is my truth. So anyway, guys, that's it. That's my two cents. I hope that this conversation was helpful to you. And again, uh, this brother working at Walmart, I'm not making fun of him at all. I'm not here to say Greg Hardy's a loser or anything like that. Um, you know, I, I, I wish him the best. Uh, but overall, and there's nothing wrong with regular jobs. You know, we've had that conversation all week. My wife and I were on here all day, you know, a couple days ago, talking about Ebony K. Williams and everything else. Uh, and so um, so it's not to disparage that, but I do. The one area where I can link with Ebony K. Williams and agree with her is that I do think I do agree with her when she says that black men can do better, uh, whatever that means or at least aim higher. Um, and uh, and that's something I think that we shouldn't back off of as a people. I think that we should ex- be, we, you know, one thing, it's one thing to uh, accept the idea that people can be average in, you know, in terms of achievement and not hate them for it. But it's another thing to say, that's what we encourage. That's just who we are. Because some of y'all were built for more than average. Some of y'all were meant to be great. Some of you got kids that are supposed to be the CEO. Some of y'all got kids that are supposed to be the boss. And I don't want you to kill that energy or make them embarrassed because they're trying to be the boss. They shouldn't have to go to school and have other black children make fun of them and call them white. Because they wanna make good grades. Like they, I don't want black children to feel like, well, oh, I'm out of place because everybody else in my clique wants to be a bus driver and I wanna be the I I wanna own the bus. No, you gotta accept both. You have to say, you know what, it's okay if you're a bus driver, but I but the one that wants to own the bus, the the one that wants to really be the alpha in that business, let's cheer him on too. Then then that way the kids that just wanna drive the bus can have a place to go work. Right. You you have to support and, and, and elevate and nurture your, your leaders amongst your community so that they can create the institutions that other people can participate in. Because everybody can't be a leader. Everybody can't be an Indian chief. Some people are going to be Indians, and that's okay too. All right. So anyway, I hope that's all right. I hope that this conversation was helpful to you. Um, God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. My website's boycewalkins.com. I did a training in the Black Business School called How to Make Money Without Working feel free to go take a look at that at boyswalkins.com if that's of interest to you. I'll also be in Dallas on May 19th doing a two-day Black Wealth Training Camp. If you'd like to join us, uh, just go to BoyceWalkins.com. Uh, my wife is going to be there also. She's the head of our Black Financial Therapy Department in the Black Business School. Uh, it's the first ever Black Financial Therapy Department because we want to understand deeply with the top therapists in the Black community, what are the psychological barriers that keep us from building wealth? Uh, there are so many barriers in terms of our self-esteem in terms of our mindset, in terms of the way we view risk. All these things come into play. So you got to shift your mind if you want to elevate. First thing that must elevate is your mind and then your spirit and then your, the rest of your life will follow and be a manifestation of that. So go elevate black people. God bless. Put the word elevate in the chat if you hear what I'm saying. All right. So hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Uh, you can find this podcast also on Spotify. Just look up Voice Watkins. I'll see you guys soon. God bless you. Take it easy. Peace.